Well, I welcome you to our Sunday School lesson that we're going to present on November 29th of 2020. And uh, it just is getting more and more apparent that as much as we haven't liked 2020, it's just almost over. And there's very little left. What are you going to do with the rest of your year? There's an old saying that says, Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. And I don't know what your perspective has been about this year, but it's a year that's been planned and ordained by God. We're here, we're in it, we're living through it. Now, what are we going to do with it? And I would encourage you, during this uh, last part, the last, basically, month of 2020, use it for the glory of God. It's going to be the Christmas season. We're going to enjoy the holidays. They'll probably be different, and uh, we don't know exactly how everything's going to pan out. But we do know that God holds the future and God has us here. So you and me and now in this situation, how can we bring glory to God and finish this year off uh, finishing it well? Um, I don't know how it started for you and I don't know how it's gone uh, during the uh, previous months of the year, whether you've wasted it or whether you've used it or whether you have been depressed. Kind of easy to do that, isn't it? I don't know what's been going on like that, but I do know this. Starting today, you can be different and you can embrace this and say that this is the day and the year that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And there's been, I think, in my life far too much complaining and uh, confusion, bewilderment. I don't like a lot of uh, what we've kind of been forced to do. Don't exactly know what to do about it. And uh, I kind of challenge some of the know-it-alls who think they've got it all figured out because I don't think anybody does. And uh, so what are we going to do with all of that? Fight with each other? Argue with each other? Or do we look around and say, Dear Lord, how can we use and take this weird time, this unusual time? I mean, I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime, and you probably haven't either. And um, when you think about that, why did God arrange this for now, during our lifetime, during this stage in our life, and during this period of our nation's history? So in this weirdness, could it be that maybe there's a different and a better way to witness for Christ? Now, Obviously, it's going to go down to the gospel because the gospel doesn't change. So when I say that, I don't mean we got to have a different gospel or something like that. Not at all. But the vehicle and the way that we present the gospel and the way, maybe as importantly, the way that we live the gospel, maybe the Lord is waking us up. You know, the, we hear about the woke culture. Well, I don't want to be woke in that way, but I do want to be awakened by the Spirit of God, to the ways that he would have me to live and to think and to operate during this time. Now, let me also say, and get ready for this, I've heard so many people say, well, I'll just be glad for this year to be over. Uh, there is no magic switch on December 31st, 2020, that uh, changes everything for 2021. This stuff's going to carry over, and we're going to have to adjust, and there are some changes that may follow us into, well, maybe even into the rest of our lives. We may not like it, but we'll adapt to it. And in the meantime, 
We'll honor and glorify God. And it may be that we're entering into one of the greatest seasons of evangelism and missions that we've ever seen. And maybe God will take the fear of people and the, even the heartaches of people. I mean, maybe no one in your family has died, but a lot of people have. And it's significant. And uh, maybe during all of this, it's a time for us to reach out to comfort and to help other people with the Scripture, with the Word of God. So we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to talk in John chapter 17 in this greatest prayer ever prayed, and or ever recorded anyway. And we're going to talk about heaven. Heaven today. We've got to be above this world. We've got to be in the world, but not of the world, as the Apostle Paul says. I don't always know how to do that. I'm learning and you're learning, and the Lord is teaching you, and uh, we, we want to do that, but it takes some time and some sanctification. It takes some experiences to get us to really believe. Now, uh, we may say this world is not our home and all of that, but I don't think that a lot of us really believe that deep in our soul. We don't really have a longing for heaven that we ought to have. Paul told us that we're to set our minds on things above, not on the things of the earth. And um, that's hard because I live down here. I'm used to it down here. I've never been to heaven. I don't know exactly what all it's going to be like in terms of the way we experience it or live. Got questions about it. You've got questions about it. And yet the Bible says that's where my mind and more than that, I believe my heart is supposed to be. Everything down here is temporary. Everything down here is flawed. Have you ever noticed that uh, one of my favorite holidays is Thanksgiving? I love the food. I love people getting together. I love the fact that it's not as commercialized as the other holidays. And I also like the fact that it is probably as much of a biblical holiday as we have. Uh, we're commanded to give thanks to the Lord, aren't we? And uh, yet it gets squeezed out. It seems like anymore it's all about Halloween and then it's all about Christmas and Thanksgiving is just kind of, you know, squeezed out. So I love Thanksgiving. I have happy memories of Thanksgiving's past and so I love it. But have you ever noticed that even with a holiday that you love, with all of the upside, there's almost always some hurt involved in it? Some people will sit at a Thanksgiving table this year and uh, they'll be bummed out because, um, I don't know, maybe their mom and dad are divorced and they're having to spend Thanksgiving with the parent that they would rather not be with. Uh, maybe you get together at your Thanksgiving table and there's an empty chair. Grandpa's not there this year. Or somebody else. Maybe it's even a child who's not there. Uh, those kind of things can hurt. And people want to celebrate because they want a little bit of normalcy in their life. And yet at the same time, the very fact of celebrating is just a, it's just like it screams out in front of us that life is not normal and it will never be the normal that we really want. What about people in hospitals and nursing homes, people that are battling cancer, uh, COVID, all of those kind of things. So there's always in this world, there's always kind of a, a downside. There's always the potential 
to be hurt, the potential to be disappointed, the potential to be let down, the potential to be betrayed. Now, I don't mean to say that and just say, you know, get ready for an awful experience during these holidays. All I'm saying is that's reality. That's just the way it is. So when we think about life down here, think about life up there, life in heaven. And if we're not careful, we kind of get the idea that, yeah, the Lord's going to take us to heaven, but he's just doing that because, well, he feels like he has to. I mean, after all, we prayed and asked Jesus to save us, and we repented of our sins, and we confessed him as Lord, and so now he kind of has to, but he's probably not real happy about it, not real thrilled about it, not the way we live, and not the way that we are. I don't always consider myself to be a, um, how would I put this, a prize catch. Because I know me, and I know my limitations, and I know my sin problems. I know what's um, inside of me as it, as it expresses itself. I know about anger, and I know about fear, and I know about discouragement, and those kind of things, just as you do. Now, there are certainly things we don't know, and we can fool ourselves about who we really are, but there's enough there. There's enough revealed that we kind of get it. And then I think about an all-knowing God who knows everything. He knows my motive for doing this recording, for example. He knows the reason that I might do something for somebody that everyone goes, oh, isn't that wonderful that pastor did that for them? Well, you don't know what was in my heart at the time, but God does. And sometimes it can be uh, where we have an opportunity to help somebody and we just resent it all the way through. You ever done that? But yet you have to do it because it would look bad if you didn't. There are other times when you do it and you're hoping that while you're doing it, in fact, you're really enthusiastic about doing it because inside of you, your flesh says, now people are going to notice me and they're going to see what a good person, what a good Christian that I am. You ever had anything like that? Pay attention. And if people don't, you just happen to bring it up, maybe even at the Thanksgiving dinner table last week. Um, you know, there are people who are like that. We all are kind of like that, and we've got to admit it. And when I look down and I see that here, when I look at myself, and I see that here's a God who knows every single thing about me. He knows not only what I've done, but he knows why I did it. He also knows, you ready for this? The things that I did not do, but should have done. And he knows why that happened too. Sometimes I couldn't help it. Sometimes I meant well and I couldn't help it. Circumstances prevented it. But he also knows those times when maybe uh, we manipulate circumstances a little bit or we make ourselves kind of unavailable somehow. He knows all of that. And that will all come out, of course, at the judgment seat of Christ and uh, we'll be rewarded for everything that we've done in the flesh. And it'll be rewarded in truth. And that's why I think at the judgment seat, there are going to be some things that surprise us. There are going to be some things we think were really big deals that God said not so much. Because I know what you were really thinking and why you did it. It's kind of a frightening thought. But I also think that there are tons of things that you have done and that I have done... And we didn't even know we were doing it. 
and it blessed somebody, it glorified God. We didn't give it a second thought. It was the cup of cold water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ type of thing. Those little things that happen, and we're going to be rewarded, and we're going to be overwhelmed because it was all the work and the power of the Lord in us. And uh, we think about that, and uh, we think about the judgment seat, for example. Who's going to line up first? Whose name's going to be called, and they're going to walk up there with a smile on their face because they're going to be the big dog with all of the rewards? Is it going to be, you know, Billy Graham? What if it's you? What if it's somebody we've never heard of? What if it's somebody that served in obscurity in a little country church somewhere? And yet they did it with such integrity and such passion and such love for the Lord that when it's all uh, said and done, they're the ones that we are just in awe of. And yet what do they do? Just like us, they lay it all at the feet of Jesus. Because heaven is about Jesus. And Jesus, as I read the Bible, is not reluctantly taking you to heaven. In fact, as we read in John 17... Jesus has it on his heart for you to be where he is and to behold him in all of his glory. You see, in a natural state, you couldn't stand that. It would kill you. And he's not going to allow sin into his presence. And he has eyes purer than to look upon iniquity. And yet you're going to be there because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And he is going to welcome you into his presence just as Jesus was welcomed into his presence, and that he loves you with the same love that he has for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this all points to the fact that the salvation of Jesus is an enthusiastic salvation, and he's got a place called heaven prepared for you. Well, the Bible says, for example, in Ephesians 1, 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the, you ready for this? Not the reluctance, but the good pleasure of his will. You were saved because of the will of God chosen in him and the price paid for your salvation by Christ. And it was all done with the good pleasure of his will. No reluctance at all. And verse 6 says, it's to the praise of the glory of his grace. I don't see my life doing much of that, do you? Could always be a whole lot better, and yet that's what is um, referenced here. Good pleasure of his will, praise of the glory of his grace, by which, and here's the key, he made us, he made us, don't let that pass by, accepted in the beloved. That's the thing that is amazing because I have to remember that my sanctification, my qualification, and all of that that I have is not according to my performance, my effort. That ought to all be there, of course. How could we not love this Lord who did all this for us and want to be our best for him? And yet our best is certainly not good enough. Whatever it is that comes out of us and whatever it is that is rewarded, it's because he made us accepted in the beloved. That's a wonderful thing. So he prays about that in John chapter 17. He prays for you, you, to be where he is and sharing in his glory. Okay? Selah, they would say in Psalms. Let that sink in. 
Think about that. You. And a lot of times we may look and say, well, I'm unimportant and I'm not a big shot in the body of Christ. I haven't accomplished much. I've sinned a lot. Even in your sin, God receives glory because your sin should have sent you to hell, but the redemption of Christ is going to take you to heaven. That brings glory to God. And when you confess your sin, it brings glory to the Lord. I mean, God is getting glory out of you, whether you like it or not, whether you intend to or not, even in your chastisement. And he is going to take the worst and the least of his children to heaven to share in his glory and he does it according to the good pleasure of his will that is good 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 stuff to think about verse 24 of john 17 quoting jesus father i desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where i am that they may behold my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. And he's going to share that love with us. Mm. Verse 25. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name. And I will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. The love that you had for me might be in them. Did you know that? The Lord loves you. The Father loves you as he loves his own son. And that's the son, by the way, in whom he is well pleased. He has given that to you. Um, astounding. First of all, let's think about the request. Uh, Father, I desire is what he said. Because heaven, as the old saying goes, is a prepared place for prepared people. Read John 14 sometime. And Jesus is the only reason that we're able to go to heaven. And let me just say this. He's the only reason that you're going to stay there. If it were up to you and me and the Lord didn't do something, we might get to heaven, but we wouldn't last long. We'd be like the children of Israel going into Canaan. And we'd figure out a way to blow it and be cast out. But uh, we're going to go there and we're going to stay there. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. And notice that in this prayer, there's one thing that's clear. He wants us to be with him. He is excited about the family reunion that is coming up in heaven when we're going to be with the Lord, as it speaks of in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So he's made preparation and he's the one that is uh, praying about that reunion when we're all going to be there. And can you imagine what a day, glorious day that will be. Secondly, he gives us the reason for this. And we don't ever want to miss this. We don't ever want to overlook it or discount it. The reason that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. You see... Um, I'm a little bit concerned when I hear people talk about heaven and they say, oh, when I get to heaven, I'll have my new body. And by the way, just because you die doesn't mean you get your new body. The new body comes at the rapture when the Lord calls that body out of the grave and makes it immortal and completes it and fixes it. That's when you get your new body. The people in heaven right now don't have their new body. That's just kind of an aside. Understand that. 
But when we think about heaven and we think about going there, I hear people talk about, oh, I'll be healed. Oh, I'll have a new body. I'll be able to walk. I won't have these limitations anymore. Well, that is true. No more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain. That's in the Bible. But is that the main thing? Is that the main reason that you want to go to heaven? Some people talk about going to heaven because we'll be done with the cares and the trials and the troubles of this life. Well, that is true. You know, the African-American slaves used to sing songs about that. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. They couldn't wait to get off of this world. See, we kind of like it in 21st century America. We like the technology, and there's so much that we do here on earth to try to make it, quote, heaven on earth. So if the temperature is too hot, we invent a way to cool it down with air conditioning. If it's too cold, we invent a way to heat it up. And we have central heat and air. We have indoor plumbing. We have plenty of food. We have transportation. We live better than the kings lived in Europe or in Israel or anywhere else you would go. We live better than they would live. And we're trying to make everything heaven on earth. Let's have peace and let's have joy and let's have vaccines and let's, uh, you know, all of this kind of stuff that goes on. When really the only way we're going to experience all of those things in purity is to be in heaven. So I get it. We have a desire, as Paul did, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That's normal. I understand that. And if persecution comes upon us like it did in the first century, we'll think a whole lot more about heaven than we do now. Because some of us almost act like that when a loved one gets sick and they die, well, we didn't win a victory there. We lost them. No, they've gained heaven and they're in eternity. That's a victory, not a defeat. We've got to change our mind about that. We talk about seeing loved ones. I'm looking forward to seeing my mom again. I haven't seen her in almost 20 years. Looking forward to see dad. It's been coming up on two years since I've seen him. Looking forward to seeing grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles. Um, this past Sunday, the 22nd, was the anniversary of one of my favorite uncle's deaths. I mean, those kind of things happen, and they're in heaven. Yes, I look forward to seeing them. Yes, I look forward to meeting David and Paul and Luke and different people like that that are biblical heroes. But did you notice here that Jesus said, I want them to be with me. Where is Jesus on your scale of longing for heaven? Uh, you think you're going to get to heaven and be distracted by seeing everybody. And then somebody says, don't you think you might ought to go by and see Jesus? And you're going to go, oh, 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 yeah, forgot about that. Where is he? I better get that out of the way. Uh, you may do that with relatives. You may do that with friends. You're passing through town and something tells you, well, I guess maybe I ought to, I ought to at least give grandma a call and let her know that I'm here. That's not going to happen. When you get to heaven, you are going to be so enthralled with Jesus to share in his glory that that's what is going to captivate you and captivate your heart. We're going to be with him and Jesus. It's not the absence of pain and sorrow and death and streets of gold and all of that. That won't make it heaven. What makes it heaven is that's where Jesus is going to be and you're going to be with him sharing in his glory and that's what he wants and he wants it so badly that's what he prays about when he's on his way to the cross. I probably would pray about other things. Jesus prayed for you 
and about you being with him in heaven when he went to the cross because that's the Father's plan for us to be redeemed. And Jesus did that not only for our sins but for the glory of the Father. And I want you to think about how he talked about I declared my name and I will declare my name. I think one of the things that's going to happen in heaven is that you are going to have your faith constantly, constantly confirmed and affirmed. Your life was worth it. Your suffering was worth it. Your worship was worth it. Your giving was worth it. Your uh, time invested in helping other people. Yesterday, we... uh, fed 425 families. Some of them were individual. Some of them were multiples. But uh, that's a lot of people when you add it all up. And uh, we did all of that. You know what we're going to find out in heaven? It wasn't in vain. We may never see anything from it, but we're going to be rewarded. We're going to find out it wasn't in vain. That stand that you took that cost you maybe a relationship with some lost family members, and you didn't want it to happen, you didn't intend for it to happen, but you just live by your convictions, and they don't want anything to do with you. It's going to be affirmed. It's going to be affirmed in heaven. Those times when you thought about life and death and heaven and hell and all of that, and you had questions in your mind about all of it, heaven's going to be constant affirmation of the truth of the gospel and the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. So get ready for that. I don't think in heaven we're going to have a whole lot of questions. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be settled on everything that is going on. And we're going to enjoy spending an eternity hearing about it and testifying of it and seeing how it all fit together. It's going to be a glorious thing. Thirdly, will you notice here that the revelation. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. So the world doesn't know him. They may know about him, but they don't really know him. Now, when you and I look at that, we go, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with these people? Why can't they see? Well, you wouldn't be able to see either if it hadn't been revealed to you. I'm thinking about when Peter confessed Jesus as Lord. You remember in Matthew 16, 17, and Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And that's exactly the way we are. We're not better. We're not smarter. We learned what we learned, and we know Jesus Christ only by revelation. He revealed it to us. And that's going to be the joy of our eternity in heaven to think about how God revealed himself to us, and we received the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's going to be a time of tremendous humility. Humility like we've never seen before. Because the Bible says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He says those that humble themselves will be exalted. And heaven is going to be a time where we are exalted beyond anything that we have ever expected and could ever think about. Because we're heirs of God. And then we get to be a joint heir with Christ, the older brother. And we're going to share the inheritance of the kingdom with him. And what's going to happen in heaven? I think it's going to be an eternal humility and eternal exaltation because of that. Everything is going to be right, even in our own thoughts and motives and feelings and emotions and all of that. And then number four... Let's talk about the eternal realization here. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it 
that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. You're going to feel it. You're going to experience it. You're going to embrace it. Well, and it's going to embrace you. The truth of the Son of God. You know, every Sunday morning, we uh, end our opening prayer with Jesus is Lord. And I wonder sometimes, do we mean it? Do we really have a passion about it? Do we really feel it? Do we really embrace it? When we get to heaven, that won't be a problem. You know why? Because it's going to embrace and enfold us. All of this is going to be about the Lord. And there's going to be an eternity of truth. Think about that. Heaven is going to be an eternity of truth about everything. About everything that God is, what he does, what he has revealed, how his plan has worked out. And even as the saints of God, we'll be sharing things together. And Paul's going to know why he was in the Philippian jail more than he does right now. Paul is going to know why he had to be imprisoned and sometimes was alone. 2 Timothy chapter 4 is one of the saddest chapters in the Bible. Uh, Paul was alone in prison and he writes to Timothy, Come quickly and bring Mark with you because he's profitable for ministry. And bring the books, especially the parchments, and bring my cloak and all of that. That's all going to fit together like it has never fit together before. And you're going to see your ups and downs, your mountaintops and your valleys. The times when you walked through deserts, the times when you had abundance. I think of that song we sing, Blessed Be Your Name, and it talks about the desert place, and it talks about where the streams of abundance flow. Well, all of that's going to fit together. We're going to see why we were in America and why we had freedom, and brothers and sisters just like us were being beheaded in Iran. It's going to all fit together, and it's going to all work together, and we're going to have fellowship and union that is going to be unhindered, and it will be unhindered for how long? Here's the good news. Forever. No ups and downs in heaven. No good days and bad days in heaven. No disappointments in heaven. Nothing like that. No misunderstandings. Nothing at all. It's going to be incredible. Why? Because Jesus is there and we are sharing in his glory and inheriting that with us. And why is that happening? Because he has ordained for it to happen. Because he wants it to happen. And he is enthusiastic about getting you home. And sharing all that he rules and reigns over with you as his child. That is really amazing to stop and think about. And I pray by the grace of God that will hit you right between the eyes and impact your heart. So let me conclude. Heaven is not just missing hell. Okay. Occasionally I hear some people say that, you know, well, you know, it's uh, at least I'm not going to hell. At least? It's almost as though heaven's going to be this boring, you know, uh, eternal church service kind of thing. And, uh, you know, playing harps and floating on clouds and dull 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 but it's better than burning so i'll go there more more than that it's about being with jesus and it's about him choosing you and praying for you his request that you might be with him and share in his glory forever forever and ever father as we conclude we thank you for heaven we thank you for 
your loving plan to take rebellious, unworthy sinners like us who should be in hell right now. And you redeemed us, paid for our sins in full. And by your grace, not because we earned it, not because we deserve it, not because we're smart, not because we get it, not because of anything like that, but just because you wanted to, you saved us. And you are thrilled to do so. It's the good pleasure of your will. And it's your desire for us to be where you are. Help us, Lord, to get that as right as we can and to be as exciting as we can, to understand it as much as we can so that we live every day thinking this might be the day that I get to go home. That it wouldn't be something that we dread. It would be something that we long for and something that we long others to experience so we share the gospel with them as well. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you and thank you for your time. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And uh, I pray that as we move into December, we'll have a wonderful season celebrating the incarnation of Christ. God bless you.